Hey, Nerd Talk Nation, this is your host, Jordan Halstead, and I have with me Micah and Alicia. Thank you guys so much for coming and joining me on this episode. Today, we're going to be talking about Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. All right, so before we hop in, I need to know, do you feel like it was a good sequel? Like, Curse of the Black Pearl absolutely knocked it out of the park. You, you've not had really a whole lot of true piratey things. Um that, that really stand out. I mean, if you want to give like Treasure Island um, and its many adaptations, um, especially like the Muppets Treasure Island, like it sometimes hits, sometimes misses, um, but they haven't had like anything that was true piratey until that moment. And then to follow it with a sequel, do you think this was a, a solid sequel? I think it was. I think it's, an, it's almost hard for me to feel like this is a sequel even though it's the second one, partially because I know that something else is coming, but there was such a cliffhanger at the end that it didn't feel complete. Like it felt like, okay, I know this is a movie on its own, but I'm, I feel like I'm missing something. So I think it was a great sequel, but it just felt like something was missing. And that was just because the third one was coming. That's fair. That's fair. Micah. I would say yes. I've also said to you, um, Jordan, that the second one is my favorite. But a couple of weeks ago, you and I talked, and you were like, eh, it's not my favorite. And you like it, it's not your favorite. And yeah. uh, this last week when Alicia and I went back and rewatched it, you said one of your big complaints was that they shot it, and the way they shot it, it was kind of dark. A lot of the sequences It was just dark. a darker visual you know, whether it was you know the storms at night when they were on the ships and davy jones ship uh and it was super dark and wet looking it was hard to see at times and uh after our rewatch i would say that i certainly agree with that um it's i'm kind of torn it's my favorite of the three the first three however it's um you know knowing that at world's end is coming i think it sets up a bigger story similar to what we talked about with like Empire Strikes Back going into Return of the Jedi, right? There's that cliffhanger. Or like, Infinity you know, War in the game. Right. Yeah. It's Absolutely. just going to build that story and you're going to get into something that's a little bit more uh, deeper. And this just sets that up. And it's almost like, <laughs> yes, they're three separate movies, right? But it almost feels like The Curse of the Black Pearl was one, but Dead Man's Chest is also one. And then At World's End is two, if that makes sense. Like, or two and two and a half. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like it's... It's a solid movie, in my opinion, for so many different reasons, but I'm sure we'll get into it. Well, and, and you have to remember as well, they filmed Dead Man's Chest and At World's End back to back. So it's not like you've got like Curse of the Black. I, I think I would agree with Alicia here. It's like Curse of the Black Pearl is one and then Dead Man's Chest and uh, At World's End are really more like part two. one and part two. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a part one, part two of like the second movie. Um, yeah. I don't know just, if I mentioned, was, I don't know if ahead. I mentioned this when we did the first pirates movie, uh, review, but like Orlando Bloom, man, good on him. Right. He was doing Lord of the Rings and pirates at the same exact time. And like, he was flying to New Zealand and other parts of the world to do, uh, the Lord of the Rings series. And then he was also, you know, doing, uh, pirates of the Caribbean at the same time. So good on him. And he crushed it. Yeah, like in, in, in both, both roles. roles, he was he was he was phenomenal in both of them. Legolas, man. You know what's funny? I told Micah this for the longest time. 
I didn't realize that it was Orlando Bloom. Like it was, he was both because I mean, the, there's a stark contrast between the two characters. I mean, like dark complexion, dark hair, and then you have an elf with white hair. And so for the longest time I was like, Oh my gosh, how did I never realize that was the same person? Crazy how quick, like just simple makeup or hair can change someone and you don't even recognize because you're you're and I think this is one of those other beautiful things is when you go and see a movie we've talked about this before when the character trumps the actor yeah absolutely because there are some people who walk in and it's the same every single time Mm-hmm. where you've got people like Robert Downey Jr. well his Iron Man was absolutely him but his Sherlock Holmes it was a little different. And then you see his Dr. Doolittle and it was vastly different. And you go back and you look at some of his other movies, like some guys just crush stuff because they, they have such a wide range and some people they're the same in almost every single role they do. Well, we, yeah. we watched, I think in the, during the pandemic era, we watched the Doolittle movie with Robert Downey Jr. And I was like, that mm-hmm. was, that was a truly underrated movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. His performance was really, really good in that. And, um, I was going to say, too, back to, you know, we haven't talked really much Lord of the Rings on Nerd Talk, but um, I was super into the Lord of the Rings trilogy when I was in college. Um, I would honestly, like when I had to write a big paper or something, I would throw them on in the background and just have them on playing all the time so that I could have something playing while I wrote a paper or just I watched them so much. Anyway, the guy that played, you well, talk it's, about it's good dialogue because it's literally just them walking in the first one and talking. <laughs> Um, what I was going to say is the guy that you talk about makeup and hair color and all these things that can change oh, yeah. how somebody really looks. Um, mm-hmm. The guy that played Aragorn, is it Aragorn or Aragorn? All right. I, okay. I can't pronounce it. Um, anyway, there, I watched, I had, I remember when the DVDs had like the extended box series where they were like, I don't know, each of them were like four hours long and they all had extra scenes in them and stuff, but they also had interviews with the cast and he was in there and like, he looks vastly different like in real life as to what he looked like as in the, in the movies. And it was just like, he didn't have the long hair. He didn't have the beard. He had the comb over. He had gray hair. Oh, I mean, is it Viga Mortensen? Uh, I think so. Um, but anyway, back to Pirates of the Caribbean too. Jordan, um, you talked about it being like dark in places. I think that was on purpose. Don't you? Oh yeah. I think, I think that, and you know, as, I've learned over the past couple of years, just in storytelling, you you have to use visual effects to help set tone. You have to use some storytelling elements to push something forward. Sometimes you, you instead of doing a big massive visual effect, like a big fight scene, you pull a Moon Knight and you kind of tell a story without telling or, or without showing us the story. Like that whole fight scene in the first episode of Moon Knight when he's like, in the truck, the, the food, food truck. And like, every time he blacks out, he wakes back up and like, there's dead bodies or there's like, and he's just people freaking hanging out, out along the lake. It's just, yeah, no and he's idea freaking what's out, happening. Like, and, and we're along for this ride. And I think that a lot of the, the dark storytelling went with Davy Jones. Yes. Because when you hear the word Davy Jones, you do not, or the words Davy Jones, you don't think like, like it's not something that's all bright and shiny. Like it's, you definitely feel like dark and musky and you feel like, okay, this guy is like doom and gloom and like, this is going to be a villain. Go ahead. Um, 
No, I have my hand up, and I know that we don't do video; we do audio only. But like, <laughs> I wanted to remind myself because I want you said Davy Jones Jordan, and I wanted to say something earlier the, in the summer when we did some of the roundtables. Um, we did one about villains, right? And yeah, we talked about the villains roundtables, right? I don't know how the three of us did not include Davy Jones in that conversation because man, he did an you know outstanding job in this movie. He made this oh my movie, gosh, this movie. he was he was in, in both. Dead Man's Chest and, at, and World's at World's End. He just was such an iconic villain. And, and I feel like he's, yes. Because and we, we've talked about this often. You've got your bullies who sometimes they're forgettable. Yeah, your your Biff, your your characters like, like Scar from The Lion King. Like he wasn't like all that <laughs> menacing for me personally. Like he was kind of like, I'm... <laughs> yeah i'm like he's just the bully brother like he just he he took an upper hand there but for for davy jones i would throw davy jones very quickly with thanos with the joker heath ledger's the joker i'd throw him in there with loki i would throw him up there with just darth vader like just just a very for his franchise very iconic um well, I, I like you know, that part where Jack Sparrow is like looking at him across the sea from his from the pearl to his boat, and then he turns around and Davy Jones is right there in his face. Yeah, and it's like, oh my god, it scares me every time I watch it. <laughs> like, he just, not he me brings like he's this, just like you forget that happens, and he just boom, he's there. Well, and and they tell this story so well because it's like he was a man, he was someone that that had a heart, and it got broken. And then he went out of his way to get as much power as he could to to do what he can. And he basically hurt so many people along the way and created a monster of a crew. And by the end of this story, which we'll we'll wrap up when we hit the the Pirates 3 episode, but like he's he's no longer there, and then all of the the monsters turn back into men. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, just very, very beautiful storytelling. Yeah, and when the ship, you know, comes up out of the ocean, oh. and it's like he's right there next to the Black Pearl. It's like, wow, that's so yeah. The cool. visual effects in this movie—I mean, in all of the movies, all the pirate movies—are just wonderful. So, so let's talk about the boats really quick. So you've got the Black Pearl, Wait, which boat or ship? Ships. We'll we'll say ships. I was thinking Forrest <laughs> Gump. That's my boat. <laughs> <laughs> So so you, you have the Black Pearl, which was a beautiful ship. Then you have, uh, what's his name? Um, Elizabeth's former suitor. Norrington? Yes, yeah. Norrington. He's got that nice boat at one point. Commodore. <laughs> um, you've, got, you've got like the, the British Empire having their, their really nice big ships. And then you also have this really new skeletal crew kind of massive ship that comes up with Davy Jones. Out of the three, which one do you like the most? Hmm. That's a good question. I know. I think I would go with the Pearl. You're proud of yourself for that one? I am. I am proud of myself for that one. I think I would go with the Black Pearl. Okay. Why? I don't know why. I just think that it's okay. like, well, you see it and you get to see, I think you get to see that one the most because of, you know, the first movie and going into the second. You see more of that because... You know, Jack is always wanting that boat, right? Ship, whatever. Um, and uh, I, I just see 
they they sh- if you pay attention the different angles that they shoot the ship like they show the ship in the movies like mm-hmm. it, it looks different throughout the story if that makes sense and so like um go ahead what we're gonna say well you know i and i've said this before in other episodes it's really cool when you can take an inanimate object and create a character out of it. Mm-hmm. When you I feel can like take Davy Jones' ship would be too easy of an answer for me. Like I, I really like that one, and it looks really cool. But I think I, you know, I want to trust the trusty Black but the, Pearl. But the Black Pearl is like a character in and of itself through all five movies. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I like it. Alicia, did you have a pick? Well, it, even though you said it's the it's the easy pick um i think i'd go with davy jones boat um uh, partially just because like if i were a boat person or ship person or a water person in general and the the ship could travel underwater that's kind of a cool feature um i also just like how creepy it looks um i don't know i i i'm going with davy jones ship Jordan, what about you? I want to say the Black Pearl. Now, part of me wants to be the rebel and be like, oh, let me take Norrington's ship just so that way we have like everything covered. But um, it was too fancy for me. Yeah. Are you talking about the Interceptor? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and even by the time he gets to the third movie and he's got the massive ship. Or, or the the British Empire brings in the the giant mastodon ship. Like, yeah, British Empire ships look great. Um, they command the sea, but a pirate ship is just something else. And and the Black Pearl, like Micah and I were talking about a minute ago, it's a character. Like you see it from different angles. You see how it's in different moments where like because doesn't that at the end of this movie it goes down into Davy Jones' locker, mm-hmm. like. I cried a little bit. I remember, I remember being upset that that was like gone. So yeah, I I think that the, the black Pearl is, is definitely one that I really like. I love how um, the crew is really attached to that one boat and they're like, no, we're going to fix it up if we have to, like we're, we're going to do whatever we can. And then like everybody wants to fight over that one boat. Cause it's the prettiest boat out there. Like even Barbosa, when he comes back, I'm going after my ship. Yeah, well, and I mean, it's it's kind of iconic to the. I mean, at least this the beginning trilogy of this of this movie series. It's I mean, it's literally in the name of the first movie. So. Oh yeah. It gets cursed, and then it gets better, mm-hmm. and then it goes on mad adventures. Oh yeah. If no, it the, comes the to the monkey, then I'll change my I'll change my answer. Yeah, I'll, I'll let Jack be on the boat. <laughs> Not you, the monkeys, Jack. (laughs) If you had to say a favorite scene in this movie, what would be one of your favorite scenes? Alicia's thinking really hard. I am thinking really hard. Uh, Uh, Do you have one? mm -hmm. Go ahead. When... Jack is stuck on the island with the, I, I don't know if they're pygmies or um, the people who don't speak English and they're basically going to roast him as a, like a pig towards the beginning, that whole thing when like, yeah, like when he has his eye, eyes closed and there's an eye painted on his, 
on and his eyes. He opens his eyes. He opens his eyes. That really freaked me out the first time I saw it. Um, but that whole that whole period of time on the on that island when he was just trying to get um, to get out when at one point when he was speaking their language and he looks at Will and he goes, "Help me." <laughs> I just love it. Well, and that that scene has so much going on because then there's the guys who are uh, in the giant cages and they have mm-hmm. to swing it and then like they fall and the bones break and it's like, Ugh. gosh, Micah. Uh, I would say probably like the part where Davy Jones is playing the organ. Mm-hmm. I really like that. I think it's really cool. And then what, so when, uh, that's really good. Yeah. He's trying to get the key that's, you know, kind of locked in his or hidden behind his tentacles or whatever you want to call them. Um, the whole beard? scene is cool. Is uh, well, his beard, but, but his beard is like. Tentacle. Tentacle. Yeah. Yeah. So like, <laughs> uh, I would say that or, um, gosh, there's so much going on in these movies. I really like what Alicia said with the whole, the scene at the beginning, but I also like where uh, Elizabeth tricks Jack at the end. And, you know, he's trying desperately to get out of the, you know, off the boat because Elizabeth has trapped him on there. And he's even like dangling the sword so he can get to the the lamp so that they can bust the lamp so they can get the, the handcuff off. Yeah, and yeah. he does. And by the time he does, it's too late. And it's, um, I like Jack's uh, evolution in this movie. Like he was good in Curse of the Black Pearl, but I think in Dead Man's Chest, his story just continues to grow. Like, yes, he's oblivious, and yes, he's you know he can get out of the most absurd of situations. But I think his story really takes shape in this movie. I agree. Do you have a favorite? I do have a favorite, and it's neither of those. Um, (laughs) I love the giant sword fight scene between. (laughs) Orlando Bloom, Norrington, and then Jack Sparrow. Yeah. Um, I love Elizabeth's con- commentary I love that during whole that. sequence, too. Oh, it's so hot. And she's, yes. and she's like, you guys are a bunch of idiots. <laughs> but I think out of all of that, my absolute favorite in that scene, like if I were to, if I were to really just tighten it down even further, is when they're on, they're going through the jungle and they get on top of the, uh, the water mill. And it comes in and it starts rolling and they have to like fight mm-hmm. through. But then Jack, like he pops his head up right at the time that it rolls and like he gets stuck in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, who comes up with such a unique idea like that? Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I agree with you. I think Depp really hit his stride in this movie. Um, he, he really started to become comfortable with that character. He became a lot more confident with the role, um, the walk, the way that he's just like ad-libbing, I've got a jar of dirt. I've got a jar of dirt. Because here, here's here's the best part. I was, I was reading this. They said that um, he ad-libbed that and no one understood what he was doing. And then he, he was like, well, Jack would probably put the heart in dirt. <laughs> like, like, to look mm-hmm. crazy, no one would understand, and they would think he's he's off his rocker that they wouldn't want to go near him. And mm-hmm. so when they started talking about that, they're like, "Oh, we got to put this in here." And I was like, "That's awesome! I love that idea." Alicia, what was the video you sent me a couple of weeks ago? You were talking about with that. There was somebody that was um, 
it was a TikTok and there was a person that was like, um, who are your six? Talking about like the six people who will carry your body in your funeral. And somebody was like, six? Here's here's going to be my friend. And it's a picture. It's a video of Jack. I got a jar of dirt. I got a jar of dirt. Because cremation. Yeah. Running around with a jar. I cracked up. Uh-huh. I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's just pretty much. It, just the idea that like. <laughs> I've got a jar of dirt. And him mm-hmm. just screaming that in the movie. Like he's and on the boat. <laughs> And like nobody, nobody even gives him a second thought. And then mm-hmm. it's that revelation of, well, the heart was in the dirt. Like that was, it was, it was really cool to see that. Mm-hmm. And he was pretending so. to drop it right in front of Davy Jones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I was very impressed with that. Um, I liked the, the original scene with the pygmy tribe. I liked that. I thought that was a cool way to, to add things in. Um mm-hmm. I think this the I think this ages better um as you see more movies with it um in the franchise. I think I don't remember liking it when it first came out because there was the cliffhanger and I felt like it was just too dark. But we also saw it at the drive-in. We saw a lot of movies growing up at the drive-in and um that was one that I remember 2006. Am I correct in that one? Yeah. Um so I was like junior high going into junior high something like that that summer and um I just remember not really caring for it. It was just too dark. Um, I loved at world's end though. Um, and that was my favorite of the three for the longest time. And, but I've gone back and rewatched them and I, I, I give it more credit than I used to, but yeah, it's, it's just film darker. But I think Micah, like you said earlier, I think that it just, it's very intentional for storytelling for Davy Jones. I think that whole thing is, is just a, we need to make this darker to make him more menacing. When you talk about like Infinity War being Thanos' movie. Like, yes. This is Davy Jones' movie. Yes. I well, mean, here's a question. So we talk about like, so Davy Jones, would you consider Davy Jones the villain of this movie? Or would you consider Cutler Beckett the villain of the movie? Or does Cutler Beckett become the villain in the third movie, whereas Davy Jones isn't so much the villain anymore? Like, what's your perspective on that? Because I almost feel like there are two villains in the second and the third, not just one. I think, I think dead man's chest is really, uh, cause Cutler Beckett, Beckett was the guy who took over from Norrington and all them, right? Like he's the yeah. English guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would say, I think dead man's chest is definitely Davy Jones movie, but I think that that story was started and like it was continuing into at world's end, but they were able to rope in Cutler Beckett as the villain with the third one. And then you've got, uh, what's her name? The the sea goddess. Clea? Theodama. Theodama. Um, so you got her in there. Um, I, I think there, there's a lot happening in that third movie that kind of, you started some rabbit trails in the in the first one. And then you, you like really built it up in the second one. And then by the time you get to the third one, because you could even say, well, what about Barbosa? Like Barbosa comes in at the end of the second one. He's in the third. Like there's a lot happening in the third movie. So. But yeah, I, th- I think Davy Jones definitely. Different degrees, different degrees of evil, maybe. Yeah. Well, and I, I think about it like this. Like Spider-Man uh, Homecoming had Vulture, 
had the the tinkerer had uh two different shockers so like you've got four villains that are in that first movie i think that it's it's well done and i think that the same way happened here i think you've got all these different characters and they're they're all really well done and like you said kind of like degree you kind of tear them out a little bit and say hey like beckett is kind of like your second villain and then your david jones is definitely your first that's fair Do you guys, what did you think? Like, we haven't really talked about like Bootstrap Bill and Will Turner's story. That was the other big piece of this movie. What did you guys think of that? Like, uh, you know, it, it breaks my heart every time when he's on the ship with his dad and, and they play that game with Davy Jones and he just, they're, they're betting a lifetime of service to Davy mm-hmm. Jones uh, and his dad's willing to do that for his son. What did you guys think of that whole story? It's, it's heartbreaking. Um, but as, as a parent myself, oh, I do it in a heartbeat. There, there is no doubt in my mind that I would do that for Ollie. Um, I think that it's, it hit, it hits very differently when storytelling is not just like, oh, Hey, here's a story. Let's tell it when they start to grab on the heartstrings. And when they start saying, okay, would you do this for your child? Would you do this for your best friend? Would you would you fly a rocket into space? Would you take a lifetime of servitude? Would you, would you lose your hand or lose your life in battle? Like, like you could run through all the different movie scenarios um, of big, big movies and all that where sacrifice plays go. But when they go in and say, would you do it for your child? Would you do it for your best friend? Um, I think that's where, where the storytelling gets a lot deeper. Um, Would you sacrifice yourself to save the love of your life. Um, I hope that everybody is willing to say yes, but you know, when you, when you see it, you just, you feel that tug and um, there's the emotions there. And I think that just the way they pulled that off, I was like, wow, that was, that was really good. Well, you should, did you yeah. have I agree. I it's, it's, it's heart. It was heartbreaking just to see, you know, he's gone. Willa has gone all his life not really knowing anything about his dad. He's finally gotten, he got a couple hints in the first movie that, okay, his dad was a pirate, but actually getting to meet him and interact with him and to see the love that his father has for him um, in sacrificing his, his eternity, really. Um, it was, it was really heartbreaking, but I mean, heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time, if that's possible, I guess. Yeah, I would agree. I would totally agree. I think that there's, that's, it's, I think Jordan, you said it earlier, but there's a lot of different things going on in this movie. You got Davy Jones story, you got the bootstrap bill and Will Turner story. You got the love interest between love and or uh, Turner, Turner or Elizabeth. You got Jack, you know, doing his story. You've got uh, Norrington, you know, having this fall from grace. Well, you had this (laughs) fall from grace, right? Because he was up here in the first one and, you know, they find him in a pig's sty in the second one you know rummaging through a bar um you know there are so many different things going on um but i think that one of the things that made this these movies so successful was the ability to tell that story and all the stories going on at the same time they all played off of each other so well even like we talked about on the first pirates episode that we did like there are such uh good characters whether they're you know jack sparrow or you know 
I don't know, Jack the monkey, right? Like they're big and small and roll like it. They all complemented each other very well. Is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Yeah. Maybe. I guess, I guess, um, Alicia would, uh, it'd be kind of dumb for me to not, you know, talk about Hans Zimmer and how good this film score is. Right. <laughs> of course. It's Hans Zimmer. Um, a lot of people talk about Hans Zimmer uh, and the projects he's worked on over the years. He's worked on the Dark Knight trilogy. He's worked on the Lion King. He's worked on the Pirates movies. He didn't do the first Pirates of the Caribbean, but he did all the other ones. Um, so this was his first uh, real take on the Pirates. Do you know why he didn't do the first one? A lot of times when film score composers don't do all of them, it's because because they have another project they're working on. And it's, and it's they just can't. They can't do it at the same time. Because you got to think they're devoting all their attention to that movie. Um, when they're writing so um which by the way i didn't tell alicia this there was somebody at work yesterday i was talking to a friend at work and they were mentioning uh this faculty member that works where we 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 work at and they uh they teach opera and they think opera is basically gospel and and respect to classical music and i was like well john williams and and haunt and zimmer aren't too shabby if you ask me and he laughed and I was like, when I looked it up, it was like Hans Zimmer is worth like $200 million. I think he's going to be okay. <laughs> and all the stuff he's written and directed and done over the years uh, in respect to film score composing. Um, but in reference to um, the Pirates movies, like it, you think about that whole Davy Jones thing with the organ, like he had to write all that. Um you know, he added so much to the main themes that we hear in the first movie into the second one. And um, he just builds on them and makes them better, in my opinion. So um, what were you guys' thoughts of the music in this movie? Alicia, you love listening to film scores. Stellar. I honestly, um, I think that Pirates has always been one of my go-tos. Um, if I really just want to listen to film scores a lot of times i'll just pick a composer and i'll just do like a station on spotify that has them but i can't tell you how many times especially i think probably in grad school um which would have been like 2011 2012 where i would constantly play all of the pirates the film scores um just because there's something and it's i love it when you can listen to a score and you know what's happening during the movie. Like you don't even have to watch the movie to know what's going on at the time. And I think that Pirates does a great job. Hans Zimmer did a great job. And the the composer of the first one did a great job of really making, intensifying the, the movie experience so that you can actually see it, even if you're not watching it. I think one of the, 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 the amazing things that Hans Zimmer does, and I've noticed this in his writing over the years and other people like John Williams or, Michael Caccino or other Henry Jackman can the list goes on and on. Um, Hans Zimmer will take like two or three notes and he'll just shape them in a way to fit the characters in the mold of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was thinking about it as you were talking, Alicia, but like in the pirates movies, he, you know, um, will take that. Da -da -da, da -da, and he just hangs on that mm, note. And so like, in the background, you got those drums going, and like, like really gushing right now over music, but like just the, um, 
the idea that like he's doing a lot with a little bit and it i think it's what makes these movies just that much better because you know it's um it's just good writing right some of the best writing mm -hmm. out there is whether it's actual script you know that we you know dialogue that we hear in a, a film or a series or you know music like some of the simplest and the most iconic stuff out there is is very simple jordan do you have any thoughts on music uh the music in this movie or I, you know for me I, I can't say specifically this movie. I can say the franchise because I, I don't know each one individually. Um, it just is really, really good. Mm -hmm. Like it just, there there's mm -hmm. music that, that hits you and you know what theme you're listening to. And, and Hans Zimmer, I was looking at, uh, while you guys were talking, I was looking at some of the things that he's done. He's done Interstellar. He's done Man of Steel. He's done the Batman versus Superman. He's been like all over the map. Um, he even did Lion King. Um, mm -hmm. His name's on that mm -hmm. back in the 90s. And I'm like, wow. Um, but One of my just, favorite film scores by him is Man of Steel. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just the, the simplicity, but so impacting. Um, it just, yeah. Um, so, so back to, to this specifically with, with dead man's chest, I remember, oh gosh, I started doing this years ago. Um, I was looking at buying iconic themes and turning them into ringtones. So like each of you guys have your own ringtone in my phone. So that way, when you text me or you call me, I know who's, I, I, I have it pretty well understood as to who's who, um, Micah, you've got the X-Men theme song from uh, from Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. The da -na 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 -na. like just that that very low, very That's like funny. when when Professor X like hovers in, um, like I have that that one little piece in there, and I'm just like, <laughs> and it's not because you're bald. Um, <laughs> years, ago, <laughs> years ago, I had um, that's funny. Years ago, I had the uh, the Imperial Death March for when my grandmother called me. <laughs> <laughs> but i know that i have the pirates of the caribbean theme song as uh one of the ringtones in there and so um when people text or call me i typically have a good correlation i made sure that that was one of the ones that i have in there for uh for theme songs um so that way when people text or call and so i just it, it's very iconic um and it's so funny because if you would have asked people 20, 30 years ago, would you rather watch a Pirates movie or a, like, Knight in Shining Armor movie? People would have wanted to see a Knight in Shining Armor. They would have loved to see some, like, old school um, castles and dragons and, and, and medieval tales and things like that. And I feel like that's not really always the, the the choice anymore i think a lot of people you've got divided because of how well this did and and people will go in and listen to these musics or listen to the music and it it helps tell the story um mm -hmm. hans zimmer just he just man he crushed it yeah uh other thoughts um what did you think about how they just ended the movie or the ending of it to set up at world Moon? bosa <laughs> That's all you gotta say. We can just hang up now. <laughs> Barbosa. Just hey, we should cut upset. it off like how he did in the movie. Just <laughs> let's go get my ship. Done. <laughs> I was upset, honestly, because it just felt like again, I said it's earlier, but I just felt like something was missing. And again, we only have to wait a year to see the next one if you're watching it in real time. 
Um, but I was kind of upset at how to how it ended because it was a cliffhanger. And I'm not a huge fan of the of the cliffhangers. Um, I do love that it ended with him eating an apple, though. Yes, there there was some callbacks to to yeah. the former film, and yeah, that was that was cool. I I don't I didn't understand why we had to keep going into the swamp. Like, why why is the one lady a swamp lady? <laughs> like. <laughs> I'm like, you're pirates. Like, why are you going to a swamp? Like, you're not even in North America. Get out of the bayou. Um, <laughs> and and there was there was just some of that that kind of didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But when she, like, helped resurrect Barbosa, I was like, oh, so now we're playing with, like, nobody has to stay dead. Okay. Kind of kind of caught me off guard. Well, and two, it kind of helps set up the next one because we get to learn more about her and her significance so yeah it's kind of a little of a little sprinkle kind of wish they would have brought her back maybe pirate six when that drops which is currently (laughs) still in development so i think the villain should be amber heard yes from aquaman <laughs> oh, yikes. All right, real quick. I know this is a side <laughs> tangent, but I have to say this and it needs to be recorded for the whole world to hear this. I think the Flash missed a huge opportunity to not use a moment because in the comic that it's based off of, there's a scene where Wonder Woman holds Mara's head and cuts it clean off at the shoulder. And I'm like, we could have got so much out of Amber Heard's head just being right there. I'm oh like, my god! There would have been so much justice. Everybody would have been clapped. That's how you make a million dollar movie. That's the real Justice League. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> justice for Johnny. That's what we should have had. <laughs> oh my god, Micah, what did you think of the way it ended? Well, now that you've talked about that, I kind of want to change the ending. Um, <laughs> 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 uh. I was surprised the first time I watched it when they brought back um, Barbosa. Um, I kind of hoped that you were going to say, I was surprised every time I watch it. <laughs> like, I've seen it a million times, but I never remember he comes back. No, I, I was surprised that Barbosa came back, but I also was surprised at how they, we didn't really talk about that, but like, what do you guys think about Elizabeth, uh, you know, trapping Jack because she was just tired of that whole loop of her her life getting messed up because of Jack or because of anything. She just, I feel like Elizabeth turned into the villain a little bit because it was like, well, I just want to be married to Will and I just want to live happily ever after. And you didn't get that, you know? And it was like, um, I think that she felt that Jack was responsible for that and uh, played a big role in that. What did you guys think of that? I was more upset with her that she wouldn't be honest with Will. Mm-hmm. That upset me more than the action that she took. That she just wouldn't communicate with him how she was feeling. And she felt like she had to take it into her own her own hands. And so they go the rest of this movie and then part of the next one where Will just thinks that he she doesn't love him. And that she would rather have Jack than him. Well, there's that whole thing where they're like getting off the boat at the end and Will looks over the thing and he sees him, you know, sees Elizabeth kiss Jack and he's just like, he has every right to be upset because they finally, they finally get back together after being ripped apart. 
and that happens. So, all because she just wouldn't communicate. Yeah, Jordan. Moral of the story: Talk to your people that you like. Jordan, that right there. That's that's mm-hmm. game over. Jordan. Um, hey, I... Jordan. <laughs> what? I'm gonna handcuff you to a boat. Answer the question. I don't have an opinion. Uh, okay, it, th- that's really not one that I I've given a whole lot of thought to. That it's he's trying to kill like, Jack Sparrow, like the one of the main fixtures yeah. of these movies. Yeah, no, I I understand the the plot point behind it. I'm just saying I haven't given it a whole lot of thought on that one. I was, I'll be honest, I'm I feel a little sexist in this comment, but I was paying more attention to the guys in this film than I was to Kira Knightley, like. I feel like her story was not as as needed as loved on. It was not shown as much attention as like Davy Jones and and Norrington and Jack Sparrow and Orlando Bloom being Will. Um, and like you have so many different other things. I really don't care about Kira Knightley on this one. Like like she she did great in the first one. Really don't care in this one. Okay. That's, that's that's me. To, to answer your question, to, to kind of wrap it up, I enjoy the ending because I know that something else is coming. Mm-hmm. I think they did a good job. Well, Barbosa or no Barbosa, like you knew that something had to be coming as a result because it was almost like, okay, something happened to Jack at the end of this movie and we can't just leave it like that, right? And then you also have the Barbosa thing. So like, well, you know, either way, if you, if they did one or both of those sequences, you knew that there was going to be another movie. And so it was like, well, we know there's more to come, so I was happy with either. If we're if we're all good and all hearts are clear, let's just go ahead and wrap this thing up. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, Micah and Alicia, thank you so much for, for being on this episode. Um, definitely enjoyed having our time together. Uh, for all of you guys who are following us here on Nerd Talk, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time here on Nerd Talk.